0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Ray's message comes from the gospel reading of Luke, as you heard a few moments ago. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, how much convincing and evidence do you think someone needs before they believe something? This is a question that you can certainly ask when you read the gospel for today. Now, our reading picks up right after the road to Emmaus story. If you remember, that's when there were some followers of Jesus. They leave Jerusalem. They're heading to the town of Emmaus. And Jesus comes and starts walking with them. But they're kept from recognizing that it's him. They're talking about all the events that had just taken place which they explained to Jesus, how Jesus, who was a prophet, was crucified. And then some women went to his tomb that morning, and they found no body there, but that they had seen angels who said that Jesus was alive, but that no one had seen him yet. But then Jesus breaks bread with them, and immediately their eyes are opened, and they recognize him. They rush back to Jerusalem. They find the disciples and they tell them everything that had happened. And this is where our gospel picks up for today. As they're talking about this, Jesus stands among them and says, peace to you. But they're afraid because they think that he's a spirit or a ghost. And Jesus says to them, look, I'm not a ghost. Ghosts, they don't have flesh and bones. Check me out. See me. Touch me. Even after Jesus showed them his hands and his feet, there were still some who weren't 100% sure on him. So Jesus is like, all right, you got anything to eat? Let me show you that I have flesh and bones because otherwise the food will just fall right through me. So they give him some fish, and he eats. Now we sometimes give Thomas a hard time about his doubting, since he wasn't there at Jesus' first appearing to them. But there were disciples who saw Jesus in the flesh, and still some needed more convincing. What about you? Do you ever doubt whether or not Jesus died and rose from the dead? just as the scriptures have been written. Just like Jesus explained to his disciples, and how he showed them himself, his flesh and bones, his crucifixion scars, and even how he ate with them. And if you ever struggle with this, what do you think happens in the rest of the world? We obviously know that Satan is always on the prowl, trying to lead people away from Christ. And Satan, being the father of lies, is going to try and put lies in our head about who Jesus really is. In the most recent poll that I found, which was from 2017, 65% of Canadians believe in God. Now, that survey didn't define God, but let's suppose for the sake of where we're going today that we replace God with Jesus and have this statistic read, 65% of Canadians believe in Jesus. It's been four years, so it's possible that that number is even lower now. But if we want to define Jesus, this is where our statistics begin to change. If we say that Jesus is God... The most recent survey I could find was from 2020, from the U.S. And we'll just say that, you know, the numbers that we find here in Canada will be similar to the U.S. That survey found that 52% of people believe that Jesus was a great teacher and nothing more. Rather, 52% of people believe that Jesus is not God. I would imagine that if people do not believe Jesus is God, they would also not believe that, Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. If Jesus is not God, then certainly he did not die for the sins of the world on Good Friday, and he certainly did not rise from the dead on Easter Sunday. And Paul makes it very clear. That if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then we are still dead in our trespasses and sins, and also that our faith is futile. It's worthless. It's pointless. There is no reason for any of us to be here. Each and every one of you are wasting your time. Here's the thing we need forgiveness, all of us are sinners. We are born into sin, and we do actual sins daily. And what we deserve for our sin is punishment. It's suffering. It's death. It's hell. It's eternal separation from God and his love. Jesus came to fix all of that. He came to bring the forgiveness of sins. He came to bring eternal life. He came to open the door to heaven for all to believe and enter in. He died for the sins of the world on the cross, taking our punishment, our suffering, taking hell for us. That is love. And his resurrection from the dead proves that Jesus did win our forgiveness and our salvation. But if Christ did not rise from the dead, there's no resurrection for us either. So then the world should pity us because our lives are completely meaningless if we go around believing and proclaiming a resurrection to eternal life when even Christ didn't rise. Now, there are entire church bodies built around the teaching that Christ did not rise. You might think of the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons. So it's not surprising to find them also not confessing Jesus as God. But the survey from the US that I found also found that even 30% of evangelical Christians believed that Jesus is not God, that he was merely a good teacher. 30% of evangelical Christians. Or as the Emmaus disciples might say, Jesus was just a prophet. Teacher? Sure. Prophet? Alright. God? Made flesh? The only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made? No. The only way to believe Jesus is not God is to ignore Jesus. Everything in the Bible that is included regarding Jesus. Which it has become clear that this is happening even amidst people claiming to be Christians. If you believe in Jesus, but don't believe in the things that he says, if you believe in Jesus, but don't believe him, if you believe in Jesus, but you don't like the church, if that's what you believe— then you don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. What you've done is you've made an idol, and you've named it Jesus. Because if your God hates the things that you hate and loves the things that you love and only says the things that you want him to say or only in a way that you mean them to be interpreted, well, that's not God. That's an idol that you've shaped in your own image. It's not the God of the Bible. It's not Jesus. But let's, for the sake of continuing on this track, establish that you do believe in Jesus. Can you believe in Jesus without believing him? What do I mean by that? Well, let's use the phrase you may have heard that I kind of just mentioned I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Now, we could say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the church. In the gospel for today, we see Jesus say that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. In last week's gospel, we saw Jesus establish something regarding that forgiveness being proclaimed. Jesus said in the gospel of John, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. If you actually believe in Jesus, then when he tells you that he sent his called and ordained servants to forgive sins and to withhold forgiveness in his stead and by his name, then you will believe it when your pastor says, I forgive your sins in the name of the Father, Son, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, if you believe Jesus, you'll believe that in that moment, your sins are truly forgiven, just as surely as if Jesus himself spoke those words. Because that's what Jesus said. But if you merely believe in Jesus without believing him, then you might respond with something like, well, why does this guy speak like that? Right? Who is he? Who can forgive sins but God alone? He must be blaspheming. It's as if you took Thomas's place in saying, unless I see Jesus standing at the altar in our worship together, and unless he puts his nail-scarred hands on my head and says, I forgive you, I will never believe. But you know how that account with Thomas plays out, right? Jesus comes back the next Sunday and he says, stop doubting and believe. And then he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What happened with Jesus and the disciples after the resurrection proves that you can't love Jesus without loving his church. Because Jesus spoke the church into being in his resurrection. To love Jesus without the church, without loving his church, is the ultimate example of believing in Jesus without believing him. So blessed are you whenever you confess your sins to Jesus' ministers, whether here in the public gathering, or even in private, just between him and you. When you receive the absolution Jesus has commanded. Even though you can't see Jesus at work here, blessed are you as you receive the verbal sign and seal of the living voice of Jesus spoken through the pastor. Those who love Jesus but not the church are certainly missing out on the ability to bring their failures and sins, their guilts and shames, their crimes and trespasses to their pastors to be set free from their chains by the keys Jesus has given in the absolution. Imagine how much anguish and torment And agony of body, mind, and spirit in our world would be washed clean in the blood of Jesus if more people came to be forgiven according to Jesus' word. Those who say they love Jesus but not the church also don't understand that the church isn't just a building. If anything, this past year has taught us that. What Jesus did establish in his church was a gathering together of people around the word and his sacraments. A gathering where called ministers forgive your sins in Jesus' name. And as we heard on the night when Christ was betrayed on Monday, Thursday, Jesus creates a church where you can receive his body and blood in the bread and the wine for the forgiveness of your sins, for the strengthening of your faith, and for your salvation. Jesus' body and blood are truly present with the bread and the wine because that's what Jesus says. And we don't change the words of Jesus. And it's not our church. It's Christ's church. And as Jesus says at the end of Matthew's gospel, he creates a church where we can be made his disciple by baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit where you can continue to grow as his disciples by learning to obey all that he has commanded, knowing that he is always with you to the very end of the age. As the gospel of Mark says, Jesus establishes the church so that his gospel, the gospel of the forgiveness of sins, can be proclaimed to the whole creation. Which Luke then tells you that in Acts chapter 1, the whole creation these disciples will go and be Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the church that Jesus instituted. Not a building, though a building can be useful, but the church of Jesus is found wherever Jesus is active through his means of grace his word and sacraments for the forgiveness of sins and for your salvation. There is the church Jesus instituted in his resurrection. And you can't love Jesus without loving the place that he created for the very thing for which he died, the forgiveness of sins and your eternal life. Now, it's true that some congregations have hurt people rather than setting them free in Christ's forgiveness. But the abuse of a thing does not destroy the thing. The abuse of the church of Christ does not destroy the church of Christ. Rather, it confirms two things. Number one, that we're all sinners. That people in the church sin that the pastor sin, that I sin. And it's all of us who need the forgiveness found in Christ's church. And number two, that every individual needs to seek out, not the churches that make us feel good, but the churches that do what Christ instituted, what he established them to do. Preach the gospel purely, Administer the sacraments faithfully. Forgive the sins of those who are repentant. Withhold forgiveness from those who are unrepentant. And confess that Jesus is God. That the Father is God. And that the Holy Spirit is God. And it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the faith to believe all of these things. Blessed are you who hear the word of God, who receive his sacraments, believe in Christ and believe Christ and receive his forgiveness that he won for you through his death and his resurrection. Amen. Now, may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.